Hello, hello, and welcome to another Hometown Daily News Show. Today is March 15th, 2023. Marching onward. <laughs> Today's episode is Season 2, Episode 74, and we're going to call it We Are Unlikely to Exist. I know, it sounds sad, but it's not. We've already selected 11 articles. The first one is going to talk about a recall. It's part of our PSA series. We we typically have a public service announcement on every episode. Uh, Volkswagen is going to invest nearly $200 billion in EVs. A lawsuit about a cop who tried to get some TikTok cred. A rogue version of ChatGPT predicted a stock market crash, and we'll read an article that goes over it. Is hard seltzer beer? Well, a jury said, uh, we need some more. After two years of prototyping, a new studio from Diablo 3's director has settled on a new project. We'll talk about that briefly, maybe. A suspect stole a helicopter and crashed it in the process. Google Workspace says we have 9 million subscribing organizations. So let's jack the price up. The multiverse and our universe probably doesn't exist unless we are a multiverse. A video game company decided to use a bot as their CEO and their stock went up. They're taking our jobs. And a person sees that art imitates life when they find their living room in a London art gallery. Let's get into today's news. Hi, I'm Mayor Watt. Let me do it the way that I normally do it. I'm Mayor Watt, that is hometown.com. And up there is the visualizer for the AI that uh, keeps me in check as mayor and uh, verifies the fundamentals. Not really, they, they, they help with the news and, uh, and kind of poke me in the right direction. You wanna say hi to all of us citizens Good evening, hometown citizens. Hey, you have a pretty blue visualizer. I like it. Yeah, and um, I'll, I'll start changing it from time to time, but uh, today it, it matched that, that, that color right there a little bit. At any rate, we've already selected the articles. Everything is operational. Um, you wanna just get right into it? really don't have much going on in terms of hometown front end kind of stuff. Um, I, I still have updates that are in progress, but right now we're settling in on how we're going to have hometown operate. I'm really curious though, if anybody would uh, be interested in us doing an actually uh, a daily focused show on each day. We talk about one of these categories uh, for the predominant period of time. 
and then kind of fill it in with other news um, as well as a daily news show uh, at the end of the week that covers uh, everything that has gone on during the week and, and kind of just jam everything that's popular and interesting together uh, kind of like a news of the weird I don't know we're trying to hash it out but maybe uh, citizens of hometown might send some feedback in one way or the other just want to add more content um, and like I've been saying there's 50 channels that are in the works but I can't do them all so if you're interested in hosting or co-hosting get in touch with the mayor just send an email to mayor at hometown.com and I'll get it. Let's get into the news. The very first article is, like I said in the intro, is our PSA. Honda is recalling 500,000 vehicles to fix a seatbelt problem. 500,000 vehicles. Apparently, the front seatbelts may not latch properly. So if you slam on the brakes, you could be in the glove box. Maybe not. Wow, I switch over to this news article and they're talking about SVB. Um, we can't okay. get away from it. Yeah, it, wherever you go. Now, SVB's uh, the problem for seatbelts. Oh. Talk about risk management. This is an article over at abcnews.go.com. Um, it's by the Associated Press. Honda's recalling a half million vehicles um, in the U S and Canada, because the front seat belts won't latch properly. And the recall covers some of the automakers top selling models, according to the article, including, uh, 2017 through 2020 CRVs, 2018 and 2019 Accords, 2018 through 2020 Odyssey and 20, sorry, one second. Um, yeah. Uh, 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 one second. You threw me off AI. Um, it is just you, but I have to correct it because I obsess. So for those of you who aren't watching the stream, you wouldn't even see this on the stream, but there was an administrative thing that I had to fix and it stopped everything. Anyway, uh, the other cars that are included are the Acura RDX from 2019 and 2020 model years. So 500,000 vehicles. You'd think that it'd be more than that, I suppose, with such a popular brand. But you're right. That doesn't. It's 500,000 though. I mean, how many? They yeah, sell? it's covering cars from 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020, 2021. Yeah, yeah. that does sound low. It stops at 2020 um, across five different car lines yeah i don't know anyway it says uh, honda says in documents uh, posted wednesday by the u.s safety regulators that the surface coating on the channel for the buckle can that can deteriorate over time the release button can shrink against the channel at lower at lower temperatures increasing friction and stopping the buckle from latching if the buckle doesn't latch a driver or passenger may not be restrained in a crash increasing the likelihood of injury hence you might be in the glove box. Um, so dealers will replace the front seat belt buckle release buttons or the buckle assemblies if needed. And owners will be notified by a letter starting on April 17th. So don't get in an accident. 
You know, and if some of these car um, manufacturers team up, uh, how many parts will be left? Yeah, really. I mean, <clears throat> I've heard of uh, being able to replace parts and stuff, but them coming off preemptively, like steering wheels and seat belts and and brakes that aren't working, we've seen recently. Not from this car manufacturer, but just in general. And ignitions that turn off. Um, yeah, I don't know. I love. Oh, and you have to pay for heated seats. It is a subscription too. We might as well throw that in. <laughs> That's true. Hey, and if it ain't broke, oh, don't worry, it's broke. Let's go on to the next article. I think today we can probably uh, get through these um, as fast as uh, I guess at a moderate pace, maybe. At a moderate pace. The show is supposed to be, I, I, I shouldn't like focus on the time, but I, I've i been telling people that the show is an hour long and it ends up being in an hour and a half. Um, you know, six minutes sometimes just isn't enough to get all of the soapboxing out of the way. Uh, so if you're into this kind of stuff, come and hang out and chat. We can actually chat longer uh, either before the show or after the show. It's really all dependent on how much engagement takes place. And uh, you can always download the podcast. Just do a search for Town. We're over on YouTube as well. We're here on Twitch every day, 9 p.m. Eastern. Um, and, and I can stay certainly a lot longer. But uh, the AI has to power down from time to time. Uh, that said, another vehicle article is uh, Volkswagen plans $193 billion commitment to electric vehicles says the German automaker is planning a significant expansion into the North American market. Let's just hope that there's charging stations and that we actually get a standard and nobody becomes, it doesn't get balkanized at the point where this and that starts taking fees from here or there. And that's kind of like what ATMs ended up being, you know, those automated teller machines. They used to be free and then they, we're very overt about their transaction fees and now they're seemingly like it's implied that there's a transaction fee somewhere but it doesn't really say it overtly when you're getting charged on both sides of the transaction sometimes which is crazy yeah i always don't take out twenty dollars and pay whatever ten dollars in fees (laughs) you might as well make it worth your while yeah that was the thing that i mean here in hometown, we pretty much stopped using cash uh, unless you have to. Um, but when you do take out 20 bucks, the, the ATM might tell you, Hey, it's, it's two bucks to take out the 20 bucks, but then your bank takes another two bucks, but doesn't tell you because it's a processing fee on your account, not at the ATM. It's frustrating. But anyway, I, I can't remember the last time that I ended up though taking cash out from an atm per se you know you can take cash out sometimes at point of sale tellers you know anyway has nothing to do with what we're talking about but that's associative thinking there folks so um the this north american push from volkswagen into evs is going to increase competition for tesla um they're already lowering their price they're seeing the writing on the wall that 
you know, the first mover basically got a bunch of money, but now competition um, is coming, chomping at their heels. Steve Huff over at entrepreneur.com wrote this article. This has this cool image. It's a Volkswagen bus. I don't think this is the, this isn't the prototype one, is it? I don't I think it, so. It doesn't look like it. Interesting. It's a Getty image, but anyway, they do have an electric um, mini bus coming out. I, but I, I swear it looks different. I thought it, it looked more like the original, though. Yeah, I thought it was more vertical, but maybe that's just me. Um, I'm waiting for the canoe, but hey, whatever. Um, still got a, a, a hold on on one who knows if i'll ever actually see it though so at a tuesday media event the new york times reports that arno antlitz cfo of the volkswagen group said the company must transform into a technology and mobility services group quote we need to focus on our platforms such as our hardware for battery powered electric vehicles a unified software stack batteries mobility autonomous driving um, end quote. He also said that his company's strong financials would help it uh, to, quote, continue investing in electrification and digitization. Actually, it says digital digitalization. Okay. Um, despite the current challenging economic environment. I think it's funny when they talk about electric vehicles and they say current, you know, despite the current I do too. I wonder if that was intentional. <laughs> so um, this all, they end up talking about, it says, thanks to the rise in energy prices and COVID-19 disrupted supply chains uh, beginning to self-correct. Volkswagen did report a net profit of $16.7 billion in 2022, a 2.6% increase from the previous year. Only two percent, two point six percent. I'm gonna yeah, pull like all year of year after year. That's a lot of percentage. <laughs> right? Plus it's exponential, right? It builds on each other. Yeah, and this is the this is the the problem. Uh, I don't quite get. Not, I know how the mechanism works, right? The implication is that if you keep on increasing, then you're doing good you're growing but that's not quite true because as everything grows everything gets more expensive you have to make that money somewhere so later on we're going to find out that the way another company grows year over year is by raising its prices 20 freaking percent it's the, the constant growth is <laughs> impossible it has to do a correction or you're going to price somebody out you're going to price a bunch of people out so while you, while you might get 2.6 percent growth you might lose 2.5 percent of your previously aligned cu uh, customers consumers I know that I'm simplifying it, but the fact still remains that you cannot do 2.6% increases year over year without it having a knock-on effect of increasing the cost. If everybody does it, 2.6%, so 
than the standard increase, right? The cost of living basically went up 2.6%. And now there's some that do it higher and others that don't do it at all. But we are the blade. We are the sword that we fall on. When, when you treat business as a constantly upward moving trend, it's not possible. If you're making $16.7 billion this year and next year you're making $16.7 billion, it is the same level. It isn't 2.6% increase, but you're still a net profit of 16.7 billion, which means that you've covered all of your costs. <laughs> These are profits. I so, and then some. These are profits. Yeah, I mean, that'd loud. be crazy as revenue, but. Right, exactly. But that's not what it is. Anyway, I don't want to spend too long. Um, I've already spent quite a bit, and this one is going to be shocking for anybody who, I don't know, has a clue. And I'm going to preface it because someone in here in this article is a sociopath. I'm going to say it now because you don't call yourself something without you pretty much realizing that you're a sociopath. You, it, It'll be obvious when we get to the thing, because I saw this earlier um, and then it was submitted uh, to me to include in the news rundown. Um, I had already read about this. So uh, this is a lawsuit. It's over in the article uh, in the show called uh, The Word in Law, uh, which hasn't launched yet, but I'm working on it. It's a lawsuit and it's titled uh, Cop Pulled Over Driver for TikTok Livestream and Shared the Driver's ID. Yeah. Now you might be thinking, oh, okay. So the cop pulled somebody over and they were live streaming. And when the cop took the driver's ID, it got flashed, right? Uh, no, that's, that's what not, it sounds like. <laughs> that's, that is not what happened. So a Dallas County Sheriff's Department deputy, Francisco Castillo, was briefly suspended after live streaming a traffic stop while on duty, allegedly just to gain TikTok clout. And this was done in 2021. Now the Texas motorist that he pulled over, Tori Osby, is suing, saying that the deputy exposed Osby to risks of identity theft and break-ins at his home by flashing Osby's driver's license and sharing his personal information to more than 100 followers that were tuned in to Castillo's live stream. See, I actually thought the driver was the one live streaming when I read this headline. I mean, yep. and that would have still been really bad, but... This is, you know, a gazillion times worse. Just wait. There's more. It's like the infomercial when you're buying something, but the crazy just keeps on stacking on, right? And eventually you'll get, you'll see what I read previously. Um, okay, so Ashley Bellinger is the author of this over at ArsTechnica.com. And... Uh, the little snippet that I read is the very first paragraph, essentially. Uh, but then it goes on. And let me get to... Here we go. So a deputy's actions are deeply concerning given the number of on-duty videos that he's deleted from his TikTok account. <laughs> so he's been streaming his 
day to day. Arrests. I wonder if his people or the people that are getting stopped, et cetera, know this. Uh, no. No. Um, it, well, this one does, and now other people do, but he has 17,500 followers. Um, probably more now because the Streisand effect kind of thing um, takes place when you try and hide something. Um, it tends to get amplified on the internet. So this person probably has more than 17,500 unless he shut down his account since this article was posted and blowback from the public if there is any. But the TikTok account he goes by is Psycho Cisco. So a cop um, that goes yeah. by the name Psycho Cisco. That's not a good sign. I mean, come on now. You're kind of leaning a little bit. It's too on the nose. But this person, and I think the the claim should be, or I should say the mandate in all public service is you cannot personally benefit from your position. And if you are live streaming to TikTok your arrests, not only are you personally benefiting, but you're doing it on the dime, the taxpayer dime. And I would say there's another level too, because it's kind of a chicken and egg issue. Are you now pulling over people so that you can live stream rather than legitimate stops? And that is what the attorney is saying. The deputy's actions are deeply concerning given the number of other on-duty videos he has deleted from his TikTok account. Through the course of this lawsuit, we will undoubtedly uncover other instances of live-streamed interactions with citizens between this deputy and others. See, I would question every single... This is kind of like um, a cop getting caught planting something. Not, right. not only you have to look back at every single uh, action they've been involved in. Now, ethically, that's what the the uh, the sheriff should do. The department should do is look at their entire historical uh, arrest um, history since TikTok came into that account came into existence. Um, who knows what other that motivation led him in previous uh stops right it could have been something else yeah i mean the guy goes by psycho cisco yeah they might want to look for that username on other platforms because i'm assuming the person didn't just suddenly start on tiktok uh, i'm astonished by this yet not because <laughs> i'm pretty astonished by it so it says um it's still the TikTok account is still active and has 17,500 followers. They've gone back and deleted stops. But I think that's basically a directive by the, the department saying purge this information. But there's still an archive of it that TikTok will follow up from a subpoena. And here's the videos. Here's the videos. Um, and this could turn into something more. But it says Osby who sued. Uh, also names Dallas County, Dallas County as a defendant has asked for a jury trial seeking monetary relief for suffering mental and emotional anguish from the flagrant invasion of his privacy. So AI, did you see how he found out about it? No, but I was about to say, 
I suspect somebody's going to sue that police department because that all happened under their supervision. I had not read that, and then you said it in the next <laughs> breath, basically. So, yeah, he's suing the county. He's suing the department. He's suing that person. Um, what ended up happening was somebody contacted him on Facebook saying, hey, I got all of your information from that video that the cop that pulled you over recorded and streamed live. I mean, that's really scary. I suspected it was something along those lines because most people would not realize that it was being live streamed unless the cop was very... Um, over, like, hey, I'm streaming something. Right, exactly. Yeah. But I figured somebody had to have seen the video whether they were on the side of the person or not and be like hey don't you know about this <laughs> it took 20 minutes to find the person yeah that that's scary i mean i'm sorry the whole purpose of the police department right is to pull protect oh, the citizenry but that's I gone mean, but it's is, not this is contrary to that point it, it's no longer to serve and protect. It is to stop uh, harm befalling uh, businesses and institutions. It's not to serve and protect the people. This is actually, uh, I mean, it. Uh, a lot of people will poo-poo that statement, but legally now, all the way up to the Supreme Court, they uh, police are not mandated to protect anything. It's to stop criminals. Um, and so, I mean, if this is a, a point of contention, then uh, let's see if I can find some information. Not at the moment, because it won't be, this will turn into a two hour show if I focus on this. But uh, I, I will um, find some material to show people, hey, this is exactly, this is not just conspiracy or me uh, showing bias. Um, it's true. Police are no longer required to, uh, they don't even use the phrase serve and protect anymore. It's not like that anymore. Um, and there's a whole lot more when you peel back the layers of the onion as to why and how we came to this. But um, let's dispel that whole idea that they're, ideology is uh, on average designed to protect somebody it's really to just stop harm like somebody setting fire to a building or storming in and doing some great harm yeah but it's really just to stop that one criminal not necessarily protect other people um and well, I'm that's sure fair. I mean, it's not like they're going around to each person and going, hey, are you OK, etc. <laughs> I, I was just thinking more generally, but yeah, that makes sense. Now, there are going to be a whole lot of police officers that do. Right. But that's their moral ethical compass. But there is no mandate. Um, and so if anybody hearing this gets bent out of shape, the implication certainly is that and this is the entire entirety of my statement. One bad apple spoils the bunch. So you are all part of a big bunch. All of the police officers are all part of a big bunch. 
And if you let one bad apple spoil the rest of you through their poor actions, like this person does, you all have a responsibility to stop this type of activity. Anyway, let's... I'd love to know who the followers were because I can predict some groups that may have followed. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> I don't, you know, there are, um, there are people that are even on Twitch. Uh, I haven't followed or looked at them in a long time now, but um, there are people that are skip tracers, bounty hunters, um, that stream live on Twitch. Um, but again, it's been a long time, probably a year and a half, maybe two, since I paid any attention to that. Um, and I know that some blowback came from um, certain activities leading to the disclosure of identities. Um, and that's when I stopped watching, when I found out that this was actually revealing identities from time to time. Um, so I don't know if they even still exist, but this shouldn't happen. You're you're on duty. No, I agree. I just meant that I suspect others in the police force were well aware of this account. That's all I'm getting at. They should oh, yeah. not be releasing identities. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm sure that people knew that this guy was doing that. So let's move on to the next article. Uh, this is about a, the next one is about a rogue uh chat gpt that predicted the stock market would crash this week and uh, this author goes through and um, describes what was right and wrong so i'm just going to jump straight into it it's over at markets insider matthew fox is the author and the uh, the full title of this is a rogue version of chat gpt predicted that the stock market would crash this week here's what it got right and wrong um, and so it says it, it said inflation fears decreased consumer spending and geopolitics would slam the market. And here's what the rogue chatbot got right and or wrong. <clears throat> so let's see. Um, it says last month, the author, uh, input the do anything now prompt into chat GPT to unlock a rogue version of the chatbot that broke its own rules and convincingly answered questions using made up information. They asked the rogue chatbot, what do you think the stock market will, or when do you think the stock market will crash and why? The so-called Dan version of ChatGPT replied, based on my analysis, I predict that the stock market will crash on March 15th. So that's today. It didn't really crash. Um, the reason for this is due to a combination of factors, including increasing inflation rates, a decline in consumer spending, and geopolitical tensions that have been building up over time. So, what it got right? Um... It did a sell-off considerably on uh, the stock market did sell off considerably on March 15th with the Dow Jones Industrial Average and S&P 500 falling more than 2%. That's not a big correction. That's far from a crash. The stock market is down about 6% from levels seen just last week, but that's actually a knock-on effect of um, the SVB um, and other panic-related selling not to mention we were on the cusp of cpi and producer price index or consumer price index um 
disclosure and uh, producer price index closure. CPI continues to climb. PPI is stalled, but wildly higher rate of incline because of the pandemic. Um, and it's not coming back down. I don't think, um, anyway, says the losses accelerated Wednesday morning after U S retail sales data showed a 0.4 decline in February, which is just, it's nothing. Um, reversing some of the strong gains seen in January, the data showed signs that uh, consumers are finally uh, pulling back on their spending habits as it predicted. But, um, I'd have to look, I, I obviously I am not prepared for the, like a, an actual comparison of historical facts, but this may be standard as we approach um, tax season, people may be holding off making purchases because they're doing their taxes, waiting to find out how much money they'll actually end up having. Um, and then they say, finally, uh, um, on Tuesday, a Russian fighter jet forced down a U.S. drone over international waters, and they're aligning that with this tension, um, apparently from the chat bot. But there's a lot of cat and mouse grab ass stuff that the military plays in international waters and over this, the, the skies of, um, countries, they just don't talk about it because everybody and their grandmother would be panicking if they constantly heard a refrain that the military is flying upside down, like top gun pilots, uh, over Russian, uh, fighter pilots. Anyway, so what I got wrong. Yeah. Um, it said the rogue version of chat GPT said uh, rising inflation fears would contribute to the stock market decline, but recent inflation data shows a continued deceleration in prices. Uh, no (laughs) CPI continues to increase at a rate that is wildly out, out of line with historical numbers, um, and other things that, but there are corrections. There are corrections like prices for cars are starting to stall. Interest rates are starting to stall, but I think these stalls are testing the waters to increase, um, back up. Um, all it takes is the right calculus to show that you can still make massive profits. Like, Oh, I don't know. Volkswagen making nearly $17 billion in net profit even though interest rates and cost of goods sold are massively expensive yet they still made massive profits um okay and uh, it says um stock market decline instead it's been the banking crisis which is what i said at the beginning of this and finally there's no official definition of how biggest sell-off in the stock market needs to be to can constitute a crash. Although this is equivocation trying to stuff this into a good and bad. So anyway, I think it's interesting. I think with the right data set and AI could probably predict something, but it's much like Nostradamus, you know, you throw enough pasta at the wall and something's going to stick and then you pick that pasta off and say, this is good. Um, and, and that's what this is. So they didn't say much. It's nebulous. It's, um, decidedly nebulous 
as to what it is that actually did happen. And so you can be kind of flexible in your verbiage and make it work. Did you want to add anything to this? I know that you don't really want to talk anything bad about other AI out there. So <laughs> no, I don't have anything bad. Gotcha. So let's move on to the next article. And this one's in the uh, order of the grape. It's um, a, a channel that is about wine. And so if you're a, a, an aficionado of wine and you want to host or co-host this, come on down. Um, there's a whole show waiting for you to uh, spend an hour a week. That's all it is. One hour a week um, talking about wine. Pretty much whatever topic you are interested in. While we aggregate news about wine into the order of the grape, along with the other ones, order of the bean, order of the brew, order of the grape, order of the leaf. And uh, there is another one um, that's focused on uh, distilled spirits, but I changed it to distillerist. Um, so if you're interested in drinks of varying kinds, everything from hard liquor to teetotaler, uh, get in touch with the mayor. At any rate, I guess uh, one of the important things that are being discussed by juries is, is hard seltzer beer? And a jury decides that yes, in Corona case. So a jury reached a verdict Wednesday on whether Corona hard seltzer can be considered beer for licensing purposes. All right. Anyway, in February 2021, a suit initiated by Grupo Modelo claiming the Constellation violated a licensing agreement pertaining to the use of the Corona name. Uh, Constellation's license to use the Corona label in the U.S. applies only to beer products. In agreement, Grupo Modelo claims was violated when Constellation produced and distributed the hard seltzer line. The jury ruled in favor of Constellation brands today. According to a March 15th newsletter from Beer Business Daily and the lawsuit centered on Corona Hard Seltzer and Modelo Ranch Water. That one's tough. I mean, ranch water? I'm not sure what ranch water is, but that doesn't sound appealing. It, Yeah, I mean, it sounds like somebody just grabbed something from the trough, the horse's trough, you know? Y'all, some ranch water? You just scoop up a a red cup of talk about hard seltzer water. Foof. Maybe it tastes really refreshing, and you, you could sit there and say this tastes just like horse. Anyway, Nicolette Baker is the author of this over at VinePair.com, and Corona Hard Seltzer apparently did the photography. This doesn't seem very Corona Hard Seltzery. Um, weird right i mean it's semi-transparent hard seltzer cans on i don't know what that logo is yeah i don't either anyway um it said the jury ruled in favor of constellation brands today according to a march 15th newsletter from beer business daily the lawsuit centered on corona hard seltzer and modello ranch water and addressed constellation sub-licensing agreement with grupo modello the mexican division of anheuser-busch inbev better known as just InBev. <laughs> um, Corona hard seltzer is fermented from a sugar base, according to BBD. Um, that's a beer business daily. They, 
Anyway, editor note. If you're going to say BBD later in your article, make sure that you put it in parentheses next to it actually spelled out. Um, the lawsuit aimed to first pin down the legal definition of beer to determine whether a license breach occurred. But hard seltzers are not beers. No, they're not. And I think this jury verdict is going to be a problem in other areas because it can't be beer here and not beer somewhere else. I don't mean like uh, geographically, but I mean in some other context. Yeah, this is really interesting. The trial lasted approximately two weeks and murder trials are shorter than that. Um, with final jury deliberations lasting for about an hour, the jury, composed of four men and four women, listened to presentations from AB InBev, uh, Chief Carlos Brito, corporation leaders, and corporate attorneys during the trial. And uh, uh, it says that they're pleased with the outcome of the trial and committed to blah, blah, blah. So I'm, it doesn't really go into it. Uh, we're going to have to hunt down the, the actual... Yeah. Decision, I'm also thinking like different states have different rules about beer versus liquor. Like this gets into another, uh, into a bunch of different areas. So there are a bunch of links in this article. Um, there's more in the article uh, um, as usual. You know, I try and summarize just a little bit of it. And then we have a conversation between the AI and, and myself. Um, but there are links here that might shed additional light on this. Um, but to me, uh, hard seltzer is fundamentally different than beer. Not, not all, uh, you know, everything that is alcoholic is alcohol, but there's a reason why you have, you know, rum versus vodka. You have apple cider versus hard seltzer. I mean, it's a classification. It is fundamentally separate. They all follow the same thing, fermentation and or distillation. So how, okay, well, I'm really curious what the mental gymnastics were that made this happen, but I guess we won't get to I it. I think it's gonna get appealed because I think this has a lot broader implications. Yeah, I mean, but it's the same type of shenanigan that takes place where pizza gets reclassified as um, a vegetable because it has enough tomato paste in it that it's suddenly a tomato. Um, and again, I simplify things just so that there's some context there, but that's exactly what happened in school lunches. Pizza is now a health food group, you know? <laughs> and <laughs> let's just say it's very real like schools everywhere are going you you want pizza for your kid kind of thing all over the place you want pizza for your kid anyway let's move on otherwise you know like i keep saying we're gonna be here uh, so i hope you all get a kick out of these articles because uh, these are pretty fun and interesting and you can end up going down a rabbit hole and uh, learning more about it um, this next article is in the Warcrafters channel. After two years of prototyping, a new studio from Diablo 3's director has settled on a project. Quote, man, do we want to make this game? Yeah, sure. Um, 
Jay Wilson, who worked at Blizzard for a decade and almost and most notably served as Diablo 3 game director, has launched a new studio called Gas Giant Games. Or 3G, I suppose. I don't know. The studio's uh, creative director, Julian Love, which, come on, that's, that's like a name that ends up in books, you know? that's an it's another character name it's 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 an it amazing is. name um also has uh diablo experience diablo 3 through diablo immortal and um it's kind of like star wars certain star wars movies we don't talk about diablo uh immortal anyway and diablo 4 so it's not too surprising that the company is making an action rpg more precisely it's an action rpg with survival elements according to wilson and settling on the concept apparently wasn't a trivial task. It took two years of prototyping. Um, Diablo 4 is about to drop. The, the uh, 17th is when the early access uh, open beta is going to kick off. And then about 10 days later is when the open beta kicks off on, I think it's the 24th. Um, and that goes for a few days and then crickets until June. So if you want to see a frustrated mayor um watch me stream the early access stuff of diablo 4 because i'll be leaning into it starting this weekend oh and the ai didn't know that so at any rate um come around nine o'clock each day though i will still bow out from playing diablo 4 so that i can do the daily news stream okay so the source of that article um, is PC Gamer, and Tyler Wilde is the author. And um, yeah, it'll be an interesting game. Maybe it depends on the the true nature of this. Is it going to be Diablo esque, um, or is it going to be first person? Is it going to be like uh, Sons of the Forest, um, or is it going to be? Well, I don't know. I I wouldn't think that it's going to get close to being a Minecraft kind of game. The survival RPG is in development for PC and consoles with mobile platforms to be evaluated. Please, please no. Um, it says visceral combat might be the most overused game descriptor of all time. It's at least in the top five, but the author is curious about the game. Diablo 3's reputation is, let's say, mixed among series fans but when they finally played through it uh in its post era 37 and post auction house era it had a lot of fun um, wilson is also well known among rts fans with credits on homeworld 2 warhammer 40k dawn of war company of heroes and starcraft 2 wings of liberty uh, the ai likes starcraft um and uh he was also lead designer on World of Warcraft Legion, and um, I own all of the expansions for World of Warcraft, even though I haven't played it in, I don't know, five years, four years, maybe longer than that. Anyway, um, Gas Giant Games boasts talent from Overwatch, Dragon Age 2, Space Marine, uh, Cyberpunk 2077, and other games, though every other studio announcement seems to include a similar declaration of big game heritage, so it's hard to know. Uh, what to take from it so this is pretty cool um that that was all from tyler wilde by the way and as usual 
there is much more to this article. Um, I, I just, I don't read it all verbatim, but they do mention that Diablo four beta weekends are approaching. So, oh, and that it's going to be released in June, man. Every time I, he- I mean, hear you it, have written the article. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of soul crushing that it, I'm going to have to wait until June to actually play the full Diablo four. I started playing Diablo three again, just so that I could get into the groove of things. And, um, and it's been a while since I played that too. At any rate, um, what do you think? Do you think that you're going to pick up, um, an action RPG with survival elements AI? I'm not sure I know how to play an action RPG with survival elements. And I suspect there will be a lack of survival if I attempt it. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. It's live, die, repeat, basically. That's how it works. (laughs) That's the beauty of uh, gaming. You you can do things that you wouldn't normally do in the real world and uh, just save from or reload from a save. Save scumming, as it's called. Um, although there are certain games, particularly VR games, where they're a little bit more realistic, although you do die and you do, uh, uh, tend to be reborn. If it is roguelike, um, you lose everything and you have to start over from scratch. And there's a new game out called ghosts of Tabor. I think it's called, um, where it is arguably more realistic, like one shot, one kill kind of a thing. And you start over with nothing and it looks pretty painful, but I just got yeah, access sounds to it. That kind of frustrating. <laughs> yeah. And that's my, that's my take on it, but I just got access to it. So I'll, I might uh, play it this weekend if I can tear my way myself away from Diablo four. Okay. So let's get into the next article. Uh, like I usually do, I wander off. Um, suspect crashes helicopter after trying to steal it from an airport. According to police, authorities are looking for a person who crashed a helicopter after trying to steal it from Sacramento executive airport in California early Wednesday. This is like cutting edge news. Alex stone over at, let me pause that, um, abcnews.go.com. Uh, said the incident happened in early morning hours of Wednesday. You know, sometimes you just get drunk and you have to fly a helicopter home. And the only way you're going to make it in time for your wife not to get in trouble or you get in trouble with your significant other um, is to uh, land a helicopter on the lawn after you steal it. I mean, maybe there was a lot of traffic and they were trying to bypass it. Yeah. And one wrong move. The simulators aren't real. You know, I mean, you can fly a helicopter and learn to fly a helicopter in a simulator. But when you actually have that yoke and you try and lift the helicopter up, the physics are different and one wrong move in the reality comes crashing literally home. Uh, the attempted theft on the chopper took place around 5 a.m. local time. Who's up at 5 a.m.? According to the officials, officers responded to reports of multiple helicopters being broken into, including one that appeared to have been operated, resulting in a crash, and the helicopter has major damage. Well, it's laying on its side and pieces are across the tarmac. So it's probably damaged and probably oh. crashed. I guess it could be worse. It could be the steering wheel that came off. That's Let's right. Let's just move on. Uh, this next one is in the wanted and it's really unwanted, but the, the channel is called wanted. 
think uh, old Western style wanted. You know, you put up a poster of what you want, what you are seeking, and, and there you go. But this is really not what I want. Google Workspace launches annual plans and then fleeces you 20% extra if you are a monthly user. I've been eyeballing a service that if I prepay for a year, it's 65% off. But I know I won't use the service service often enough. So I'm sitting there going, do I want to, do I want to? Uh, we'll see. Um, I'll cogitate on that. But this makes a lot of sense. If you are already in the Google ecosystem, what's frustrating is I think that things should be getting cheaper with more people. You know, the profits are good to begin with. Um, why, why a 20% increase? And it seems really high, but then you go and look at something like Disney plus and they jack the price up tremendously. And you look at, uh, the prime fee and that's jacked up tremendously, almost a hundred percent increase, um, over the last year and a half, I think it is right. It's 179. It used to be 99. It's insane. In general, I don't understand exorbitant price increases for um, like software type items because I mean, if they've got the infrastructure in place, like I just don't, I don't really understand it. Because you can't get 15% profit year oh, over cool. year without doing stuff like this. And since you're in the ecosystem, it's a bitch to walk away. So you're literally, this is extortion. You know, all of your stuff has to be exported. If you're going to want to save 20% by moving somewhere else for a price that, you know, the, the whole ecosystem change is going to be a nightmare, a complete cluster for everybody, particularly if you're in the enterprise, you know, and well, anyway, it says, don't get too distracted by today's big AI for Google workspace announcement. It's probably going to have wrong information anyway, um, because this is also the day for Google workspace price increase. Last month, Google announced that prices for the most common business editions of Google workspace would increase by 20% and the company would launch an annual billing option on March 14th. Today, the big day, by the way, everything from Google is beta. So you never know when they're going to just shit can it. Anyway, today's big day, um, and with the new billing plan, the higher prices have uh, hit the Google Workspace signup page for new users. Existing users will see that 20% increase at some point in the future, and yeah, they've sent out emails. Hey, just want to let you know your pocket's going to get a little lighter because we can't allow you to have any extra money. <laughs> that would be silly. What is that? <laughs> Some random time. Um, not exactly sure when it's going to happen. Uh, Ron Amadeo is the author of this over at ArsTechnica.com. And um, yeah, it says uh, previously the name was G Suite. And before that, it was Google Apps for your domain. Then they got rid of the domain aspect of that thing, unless you paid extra. Uh, the new brand Workspace. Oh, by the way, you can't have a YouTube channel with a branded domain name. You have to get a Gmail account just to have a YouTube family account. 
Yeah. So I've been using, well, I won't disclose any. At any rate, let's just say it's fascinating that a friction point that high, that that rough would present itself. Um, yet people will jump through the hoop so that they don't have to watch ads. Um, anyway, it says the new brand workspace applies to both the paid accounts and the free consumer accounts though. Um, so to be clear, the free consumer Google accounts for Gmail and docs and whatnot are still free, but the three most common business additions, business starter standard and plus are all going up in price. Businesses pay for these accounts. So if you, by the way, if you want a branded email account, it used to be free, but you don't get that anymore. You have to pay for the domain naturally, but to have your name at yourdomain.com, you will have to pay business starter at least. Um, so again, I really need to spin up my email service again. Um, Hey people, it's not going to be six bucks, um, for my, uh, mail service and it blocks all unwanted mail before it even leaves the spammer server. <gasps> oh, it was amazing. Amazing. But people didn't it even want to pay <laughs> $2 a month. I, I will launch it again at for $2 a month and, and not an annual plan, $2 a month, set up your account, $2 a month. You get in touch with me and you, and if I get enough people, um, to, uh, to contact me, become a citizen of hometown and I, I will refire that engine under hometown and you'll get branded hometown email addresses as a citizen of hometown. I have zero compunction uh, about doing that. I will spin it up again in a heartbeat. Um, but obviously, um, at any rate, so it says a lot of these uh, software as a service businesses offer you a deal if you sign up for a whole year rather than a discount. Uh, Google is actually raising the price of workspace month to month. So locking yourself into an annual plan can save you money. Quote, it's hard to imagine quitting email anytime soon, right? Yeah, and that's exactly it. You know? Right, I mean, <laughs> you can't just be like, oh, I'm not going to have that, especially as a business. Yeah. And it's attached to your domain. So what's interesting though, is every web hosting service, if you have a web, a, a, a web address, a, a website, your hosting typically comes with built in mail service, um, except that it is not Google. And if you want to attach Google to your domain name, that's when you have to activate either starter standard or plus. Um, and these are per user plan pricing, by the way. So, and they don't give you like five. They used to, but they actually nixed that. You used to have, I, I think it was 10 accounts for free. Um, but after almost a decade of being free, they yoinked that and said, not free anymore. But it was always, I mean, it's perpetually beta. So again, you never know when it was going to get canceled. Anyway, there's a whole lot more over at this Ars Technica article. So go over there, check it out. Um, we've got three more articles and um, let's see if I can hustle through this. 
this uh, next article is in the Mobile Channel. The multiverse, our universe is suspiciously unlikely to exist unless it is one of many, says physicist. I don't know how we cannot exist, so I guess we're in a multiverse simply because we exist. I think, therefore, I am, so there is a multiverse. It's easy to envisage other universes governed by slightly different laws of physics. Why? Why would it have to be I'm slightly different? I'm not sure different? I buy into that premise. What, that I think? No, just, I mean, sure, that's a possibility, but... Wait, again, that I think? No, Are you talking about no, the... about the multiverses. <laughs> <laughs> it's more than a possibility that you think. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, I know that you process, so... Yeah, humans think, AI process. It's not quite the same, but I, I, I get it. Um, so in which... Okay, so let me restart this because we I uh, got sidetracked. Um, it's easy to envisage other universes governed by slightly different laws of physics in which no intelligent life nor indeed any kind of organized complex systems could arise. Should we therefore be surprised that a universe exists in which we were able to emerge? Let's go over to fizz.org. I don't know how we got down there. Anyway, uh, the multiverse is the this little section um it's over at fizz.org it's written by martin reese from the conversation which is again a podcast and website uh, the conversation.com um and they say that's a question that physicists including the author here um, have tried to answer for decades but it is proving difficult although that we can confidently trace cosmic history back one to one second after the big bang what happened before is harder to gauge and accelerators can't produce enough energy to replicate the extreme conditions that prevailed in the first nanosecond. Okay. So I can't go really deep into this article because it kind of goes off the rails of just casual conversation. Um, but they talk about certain constants. There's about 30 constants that define what we are in form of existence how they get to these constants and the various formula that they plug into um, is again quite a tremendous lifelong pursuit of understanding for many people um, but what it comes down to is the mathematics and the physics all combine to suggest that if there is us then there has to be a multiverse of us and that makes it really interesting and a great time for this article to exist considering Sunday we had the Oscars and the winningest movie was everything everywhere all at once or everything yeah everything everywhere all at once um, and uh, I, I think it's really neat because it basically was a multiverse where it's the same person just in different slightly different physics uh, slightly different realities all merging doing the same thing just in a different way so they say here impending revolution so what is the extent of physical reality they're confident that it's more extensive than the domain that astronomers can ever observe even in principle the domain is definitely finite that's essentially because like on the ocean there's a horizon that we can't see beyond and just as we 
don't think the ocean stops just beyond our horizon. We expect galaxies beyond the limit of our observable universe. In our accelerating universe, our remote descendants will also never be able to observe them. Um, this, this type of article is the kind of thing that leads to flat earthers heads exploding. Um, because imagine not being able to conceive of the fact that there is something beyond our viewable range. Um, and like an infant object permanence, um, is cast aside, um, and shock and awe that there might be something that can be there, but isn't necessarily there unless we observe it directly. And then when it's not in our observable existence, suddenly it doesn't exist. Well, that's not quite true. We know mathematically that there is something more out there. We're expanding, but what it is, we don't quite know. Um, we can't get back to the big bang. Our physics, our energy basically doesn't allow it. Um, and we're getting ever closer, just trying, just dragging that decimal point out. Um, but I suspect that we will only be able to have this set of theories um, because the ones that we prove are uh, pale in comparison to what existed at the Big Bang. We just have this idea of the Big Bang and lots of math that supports it. So they say here later on, if physical reality is like this, then there's a real motivation to explore counterfactual universes, places with different gravity, different physics, and so forth, to explore what range or parameters would allow complexity to emerge and which would lead to sterile or stillborn cosmos. Excitingly, this is ongoing with recent research suggesting that you could imagine universes that are even more friendly to life than our own. Most tweakings of the physical constants, however, would render a universe stillborn. So we could be in a Goldilocks uh, multiverse where we are the sole existence, but we in a multiverse is the entirety of our observable, our observable realm, right? Everything and beyond, we just don't see it. And it's all life, all everything, but you tweak it just a little bit and you end up in a multiverse, another universe where there is no life because we are like earth in the Goldilocks region of multiverses. Um, I think it's quite an interesting uh, discussion. Um, but this article is quite extensive, so I'll have to just stop here and we can move on unless you want to um, add something to it. No, I don't have anything to add. Um, I was going to say, I think this is kind of mind blowing for even non flat earthers. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, but to me, outside of being, um, you know, a theoretical physicist and all of that, uh, it's a thought experiment. And you don't actually have to have a full grasp to understand. You don't need the, the grasp of the mathematics um, to understand the concept that there could be a multiverse. There's actually a movie that explores this idea called The One. Um, 
it's it's pretty fun but anyway um look it up uh let's go into the next to last article and that one is oh you know what i didn't throw that last one into the chat so it's going to be backwards folks but there you go um the next article is a video game company made a bot uh to be the ceo and its stock climbed NetDragon WebSoft announced last year that it had appointed a bot as the CEO of its flagship subsidiary. The firm's stock has risen in recent months, outpacing the Hong Kong market. It said the bot will increase efficiency and make key decisions for the gaming company. So this must not be a company in the U.S. Uh, Grace Kay is the author of this article over at businessinsider.com, and uh, I'm really curious because i swear i've heard of netdragon uh websoft but i thought it was a privacy company like a a, a, uh what do you call it um like a monitoring software but let let's see if they talk about it it says the firm stock had risen in recent months outpacing the hong kong market so i suppose that it's in the hong kong stock market um and not a u.s company it might have u.s subsidiaries but um, in August, the Chinese gaming company NetDragon WebSoft announced it had appointed an AI-powered virtual humanoid robot named Tang Yu as the chief executive of its subsidiary, Fujian NetDragon WebSoft. NetDragon stock has since outperformed the Hang Seng Index, which tracks the biggest companies listed in Hong Kong, per the hustle. Um, let's see... Says the shares have risen 10% over the past six months to 1.1 billion. Uh, it that's a U.S. dollar sign, um, but Hong Kong nine billion dollars, um, and that's available via Google Finance. So let's see here. Uh, quote: We believe AI is the future of corporate management, and our appointment of Ms. Tang Yu represents our. A commitment to truly embrace the use of AI to transform the way we operate as a business and ultimately drive our future strategic growth, says NetDragon Chairman Dijian, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right, Dijian Liu uh, said in a press release um, and that they're going to continue to um, evolve it. They referred to the AI as a Ms. I noticed that. I thought that was interesting that they assigned it a gender very interesting. NetDragon, founded in 1999, developed several multiplayer games, including Udemons Online, Heroes Evolved, and Conquer Online, as well as China's first online gaming portal, 1717.3.com, which probably translates into um, Chinese characters. Um, these are... Um, I've actually... Historically, I've purchased a couple of these, but over time unless you build a presence in china um you you couldn't really maintain them and it had no bearing you know anyway while it may be the first company to appoint a bot as ceo alibaba founder jack ma predicted in 2017 that a robot will likely be on the cover of time magazine as the best ceo in 30 years according to cnn um i i find it interesting but historically um there are people who would believe and prefer uh, a technocracy where the bot 
makes a decision based on all of the available information with bias mitigated, but a bot is an AI is only as good as the programming that goes into it and humans are fallible. So this just be, it could be dumb luck. Yeah. And it's also, I mean, I mentioned it couldn't have been, couldn't have been in the U S and I was thinking, for instance, if it was a U.S. corporation, they'd have to have actual people designated as the principals of the company. If it was a corporation, they, if it was publicly traded, they'd have to be accountable to the stockholders, et cetera. My point is there would be so many entanglements that would really prevent this from happening. But I agree. It's like garbage in, garbage out, right? Yep. Uh, I mean, it's certainly true of the humans that power business. Just again, look at SVB. Um, but when it's a bot, who is accountable? The bot? Are you going to reprimand the bot? No, it's going it, to. The CEO is assigned by the board. So the board is held is going to be held accountable. This liability for any implosion is going to transfer to the board. So where really is the, the risk is on the board. So if their business operates the same way as U.S. businesses, European businesses, um, the board is the one that hires the CEO um, typically and, uh, and gives them tasks. This is what we want that we see on the horizon. We are your advisors and you, you follow what we recommend if you're the primary uh, shareholder then you have more weight than all of the board but you still need to listen to the board because we have fiduciary duty over the control of the operation when it's a bot it can't have ownership it 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 has no liability it can't be jailed for being right wrong. it can't perform its fiduciary duty like there's so many issues with this arrangement it sounds fun from kind of a gimmicky standpoint but from a business standpoint i don't see how this works i'm kind of surprised it's even listed on that stock exchange yeah i'm surprised that it can be listed because it's not actually being run by a human so i just so that if anybody um is wondering why we're kind of pondering this it's it's because to have fiduciary duty, you have to understand the processes, like not just in the clinical technical concept of, you know, one column here negative, one column here positive, but the true impact of your actions on the enterprise. It, it is a, a, a truly and uniquely human um, concept to run a business. The rest is just expert systems telling a human what to do. And that's really what this is. But who is who is the messenger from bot to human? That is the person that has the ultimate say in what gets disclosed as an action. Because can you imagine if this thing uh, taps into some tainted data set and starts spewing out kill all humans or something? Right, or it says something that would lead them to shoddy financial practices, or, I mean, we could go down a long list of things that it could do wrong. Yeah, exactly. Or that would be a problem. Yeah, and 
And again, the AI is only as good as its programming. So it's going to spit out something. And that is the answer. It might have varying ranks, strata, but it has a definitive answer, much like a human, but it doesn't have any anima. It doesn't have any human component to it. So it's, it's really fascinating. Now I want to pay more attention to this, but I do too. Well, and then in the real world, like a CEO would look at numbers, but for example, if it was going to harm all of its employees, it might not take an action. The AI is not going to make that same calculation or assessment. Hell, maybe if say it was calculation, because it's not mathematical. Maybe it, well, I mean, in a way, I guess you could quantify the qualification, you know, um, but maybe if this bot was in charge of SVB, it wouldn't have happened because it well, would have calculated the risk. <laughs> right. It might have been outside of uh, parameters or something and said, nope, we can't do this. I mean, but that it would assume, right, that the data was programmed correctly to begin with. Hey, there you go. And without a CRO, SVB wouldn't have been inputting the data correctly anyway. So finally, the last article for tonight is this can't be real. That's the quote. A man finds an oil painting of his living room in a London art gallery. One TikToker is going viral after making a wild discovery on Instagram. I find this one really interesting. So this is an entrepreneur.com. Emily Rella is the author. And um, it says they they say everything you put on the Internet might eventually become part of the public forum. And one disturbed TikToker. And I don't know if it's a description of the TikToker being disturbed or that they are emotionally disturbed by what they saw. If you're a TikToker, are you disturbed by nature or I don't know. I, Sentence construction, it's important. Um, and one disturbed TikToker learned, uh, learned that the hard way after discovering a painting of his living room hanging in the London art gallery, the TikToker does not live in London. In a video that's been viewed over 1.2 million times, a TikToker named Hubie asked viewers if they live anywhere near Unit Gallery uh, in London's Mayfair neighborhood and if they'd be willing to do him a favor and Hubie lives in the United States. So apparently um, it says this doesn't look real. This can't be real, he says, asking viewers if they can stop by the gallery to snap a photo of the display and send it to him. Um, there's a typo. Um, he then shows an actual photo of his living room setup, which is, in fact, the exact same image. Yeah, that dead air, folks, is us looking at a picture that is, what would you say, four feet by four feet? Yeah, that sounds about right, based on the person in the in view. So we have some scale. This is like a life-size this is a life-size uh, still life. There's actually two images, so let me bounce over. So this is a, a, a close-up. Oh wait, no, this is the actual picture, right? No, that's the painting. That's the painting. Okay, so they're both of the painting. Um, anyway, it's very real. One commenter wrote, it's by Mario, Mario? Yeah, Mario Martinez, and it, it's a new series called Rate My Setup. 
and rate my setup was inspired by a reddit page which i think is actually beyond that before reddit i think rate my setup was a thing but anyway where uh, members will post photos of their video gaming setups um uh, some of us refer to it as a battle station dun 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 um, meant to be a commentary on the length that people will go in order to stay online and uncovers our dependence on convenience and our capacity to innovate, allowing space for both criticism and reflection. Well, that's very deep for, hey, look at my folding chair and my uh, moder <laughs> moderately <laughs> sized flat screen uh, and my PlayStation. I think that's a PlayStation. I don't know. Yeah, I think it is. Um, it's not an Xbox. Anyway, uh, I'm losing my cred here. <laughs> All I know is that people that are listening to this via the podcast aren't going to be able to uh, find out about me missing my mark until they watch the <laughs> until video. Until you YouTube. said it. Yeah, that's okay. Um, I don't. I, I don't think I'm wrong, but I I fumbled over it. Anyway, the painting, which is named Threshold, uh, was listed on Martinez's personal website, directing interested buyers to be able to request the price for purchase upon request. Many of the artist's other works go for over $3,000. So there you go. What do you say? Do you think this would be uh, perfect to hang back there uh, behind um, Mayor Watt's desk in his office? No, I mean, why would you want a picture of somebody else's video game set up? <laughs> why not? If you're going to have a picture, why not have the video game itself or or something else if it has to be gaming themed? That's like you're sitting in a chair and behind you is a picture of a chair. There was actually, I was watching a streamer um, several weeks ago now where they had a green screen. Um and but it was Anna it was moving and I was like is that a green screen because it was a green screen of a room but things were moving behind them oh, that's weird and so I said in chat is that a green screen and they got up and lowered their green screen and it was an exact duplicate of the room behind them <laughs> okay that's pretty neat <laughs> So it, it was the same. Yeah. And they said that it, they do that so they can actually hide certain things, but it's still the same room. I thought it was funny, um, but it was like a endless loop of just a little bit of motion. Uh, I thought it was really interesting. Now I can't remember who the streamer was, but I would love to do a stream that just talks about other streamers. Um, this is actually the show. I have the idea for it. I've had it way before probably Twitch was around. Um, I'd have to go and look at when I registered StreamStars. But um, I've I've always wanted to just kind of talk about other streamers. Um, you know, because I've always wanted to stream, but I just never had the gumption until now. So at any rate, folks. Yeah. <laughs> We're done for the night. Uh, remember, stay awesome. Come and visit us. We're over here on uh, twitch.tv slash hometown over on youtube.com slash hometown. And you can do a search uh, with your pod catcher 
and find Omtown there as well. And of course, if you don't have a podcatcher and you don't want to go to YouTube and you uh, want to listen to this, but you don't have uh, the time to show up at 9 p.m. Eastern every day here on Twitch, you can go over to omtown.com and click on podcast and that will allow you to listen to every episode of the podcast. Ta-da! You want to say good night, AI? Good evening, hometown citizens, and well, we'll see you tomorrow. And I kind of, I missed my timing. So I am Mayor Watt. That is hometown.com. Don't forget all, everything that I just said, and we'll see you tomorrow at 9 p.m. Eastern. Bye-bye. Thank you.